We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Come over here. Who's, who's met Cody? Cody and Michaela have been down here since, is it Easter? Easter? The 1st of April, April Fool's Day. And um, we met them a couple of years ago in Queensland at a state con- national conference and connected with our, um, particularly Ben and Tara and our family. And they decided to come down to the promised land. Come on. Left the wilderness of Queensland and came down. Uh, and Cody Michaela, that, you know, they were a big part of a church there. Cody's got his, um, on the way of getting his credentials, got his uh, PMC, which is called a probationary minister's certificate, had that in Queensland, transferred it down here. They've been a great blessing to our church. And they preached last week up at Ardrossan, and he's going to uh, speak to us here this morning, which is great to come back from holidays and just <laughs> say, you're on, isn't it? And uh, so it's going to... Uh, uh, Minister from the Psalms, why don't you thank him for speaking to us? All right, just bear with me for a second while I get my technology working. Um, got to put a password in here. I said I said at uh, Adrosson last week when I started. I this time it worked, but sometimes who knows fingerprints or face technology and stuff doesn't work, especially with masks on. If you've got a face and teaches me to actually use my fingers again and. Um, Someone after the service came to me and goes, you know you can remove your password from your iPad. And I went, yeah, but I've got two kids. I'm not removing my password from my iPad, otherwise my message wouldn't be here this morning. Who knows that? Anyway, before we start, I just want to say I love the church. I love God's church. I love uh, the church throughout the world, and I love the local church. And the reason I love it so much is it's God's perfect plan, using imperfect beings like myself and you, to do God's perfect will on earth. And in each of and every one of our minds, that should not make sense at all. But in God's mind, it makes sense. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're in here and you're thinking you should be anywhere else in the world right now, know you're in the right place. You're in the local church and you're doing what God wants you to do, no matter how imperfect, no matter how small you feel or how big you feel or anything like that. God's got a plan and God's doing amazing things. And that's why I love God's church. And I love this church as well. I've been around church for 15 years and the one church for, for, for 14 and a half years of that and here for only a few months. And uh, uh, before I start, I just want to say thank you so much, Darren and Carrie, for just being amazing people, leading this church in a direction that's doing amazing things in the community. And, and uh, I just want to honour these guys. So can we give a, just give our, our hands together, clap, whatever it takes to, to honour who these guys are. Uh, and also Ben and Talia who are on holidays right now, the lucky, those lucky guys. I mean, he's preaching this morning, but they've taken extra time to be on holidays. But let's put them in our prayers this week. Let's put our leadership in, their, in our prayers because they do a lot of the hard lifting so that we can come here and, and worship God and, and have time together every single week. And, um, and I think, you know, you might be regretting having to wear that mask. And I, I, I don't like wearing masks at the best of time. I'm a painter by trade and I don't even wear masks when I'm supposed to when I'm painting. Um, but, you know, we get to meet here in church today. We get to, to praise God together, and that's, that's, that's a testimony in itself. So it doesn't matter if it's a mask. It doesn't matter if I have to stand 50 feet away from someone else. I'm meeting together with fellow believers, and I love being here in church. Uh, as Darren said, I, I came from Queensland. Um, I was raised on the Sunshine Coast. I wasn't born on the Sunshine Coast, and for some people, if you're not born somewhere, you're not a local, uh, but the Sunshine Coast up in Queensland is such a transient place where people come in and go. If you've been there for more than a few years, you're actually a local. Um, I was there for 31 years of my life, 
Uh, skip to my age of 16 is when I walked into church for the first time and gave my life to Christ because I met people that cared about me more than anyone had ever cared about me in school or outside my family. I, I ran into people uh, that had a sense of understanding of it doesn't matter who you are, but you can belong somewhere. And so uh, that changed my life dramatically. Before that, I was, I was a young guy who, you know, a little bit timid and scared, didn't speak to anyone, was the quietest person you'd ever run to. And then God had different plans. Here I am 15, 16 years later. Um, there's so many things going wrong in my life that when my mum uh, realized I started to take out the rubbish and I started to do the dishes and I was no longer swearing and I was no longer uh, aggressive against my brother, she, uh, rather than thinking it a good thing, uh, my mum actually rang my dad and said, I think our son's part of a cult, you need to go down and check it out. And uh, best thing that ever happened to me, because my dad thought something different, my dad thought I'd changed for the better, and uh, long story short, four weeks later, in the car park at church, I got to lead my dad, at the age of, I was 16, almost 17, I got to lead my dad to God in the car park, and it was one of the best moments in my life. Uh, over those 15 years since then, um, I've had a chance to be a part of pretty much every area within church life except for what I call the hardest area and that's women's ministry. <laughs> it's good, I can hear you, hear your laughs. I was, I, was, I was a bit worried with the masks on, I wouldn't hear laughs but I can hear them. Look, you get my, my wife and my mother-in-law who's down here with us living in a different house in Artie in the one room and I can't control the situation anymore. There's no way I could lead women's ministry. Hats off if you do things. Like that. That's a joke, by the way. Like, I respect women's ministry. It's amazing what you guys do. Uh, I was a kids pastor for four years. I absolutely loved hanging out with uh, five to 12-year-olds um, was what I did. And then uh, through circumstances in our church, um, I all of a sudden got promoted to uh, youth ministry. And my wife, Michaela, she took on kids ministry. And uh, so the two of us together pretty much had everyone from the age of five to, to almost 30. Um, and I did not want to preach I knew God had put it in my heart to speak. I did not want to do it, though. I didn't want to get up and speak in front of people. I was timid. I was shy. Um, God, as I said, has different plans. He does things in you you don't understand. And before long, um, not only was I running youth and young adults, I was also uh, preaching at my church uh, once, every, once every month. I was running uh, the media department. I was running all different areas of my church. I was on band. I was often getting off, just as Darren does, getting off musicianship to do uh, announcements or, or even preach. And, uh, and I loved it. And, uh, and, you know, God, but then God has other plans and, uh, and we heard from God, you know, to have kids. Um, what we didn't hear, Michaela heard. Um, we had this sort of worship service at church one night and, and our pastor was like, I'm, you know, God's going to speak to people now on big issues in their life. And, and we're driving home and Michaela kind of is talking a little bit about kids. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, because we had this five-year plan. We've only been married six years. We had this five-year plan before we had kids. We now have two, a, a three-year-old and an almost two-year-old. They're in kids' ministry this morning, thankfully. Um, but uh, yeah, she got home. She said, I felt God said that we should have kids. And I don't think she was expecting my response, but I said, well, if the big man says it, let's do it, because I'm not going to argue with him. And so that was, uh, we fell pregnant within a month, even though the doctors, because of a condition that Michaela had, the doctors suggested it could take up to two years. Within a month, we were pregnant and God moved. And, you know, I've never argued with who God was, like with what God can do after that moment. Because I saw God move in ways that I never thought he could. And, 
And so uh, that changed life a lot. And all of a sudden, we had to step out of, of youth ministry, had to step out of kids' ministry, had to, 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 to find ourselves outside of those areas. And it was a difficult time, but God uh, moved through us. And, and uh, at a stage where I was kind of stepping out of that was when we met Ben and Talia in the, uh, the parents' room uh, up in the Gold Coast at a, at a conference. And um, I know I'm talking a lot about myself now, and uh, before I move on, I... I said to Ben when I was, uh, I was preparing for this message, I said, this is going to be the easiest message I ever get to preach. And he said, why is that? And I said, because I get to spend five minutes talking about myself. Because no one knows me from a bar of soap. They know my face, they know my name, but they know nothing else. And, and he laughed, and here I am still talking about myself. We'll get to the Word of God in just a moment. Um, but we met them in the, in, the, uh, in the parents' room, Ben and Talia, and uh, Myra was sitting there, lovely, reading a book. All the other kids are reading a book. But my son, who couldn't crawl properly, he was doing like this two hands, two legs, kind of frog crawl. He was going around stealing every single kid's toys, every single kid's books, every single, everything. He was the, the terror in the room. I don't want to speak that over him if he was here, but he was, all these other parents seemed to have everything together and that's how we ran into Ben and Talia because I'm sure uh, Henry was trying to steal something off Myra. And, uh, and then we got along, we got along really well and, and the first time I met Darren as we're standing out there between the services, and, uh, and we're lining up for food, Ben and I talking. And then I think it was Kerry comes along and goes, oh, you know your dad's at the front of the line. And I was like, oh, that, I'm sitting there going, oh, that's good for you, Ben. Not good for me. And then so, and then long story short, Darren offered to buy us the food. And then, you know, that was just the, that's the end of the, end of the story. It was like, at that stage, I was like, oh, well, I need to move down there. If someone doesn't know me from a bar of soap and they buy me food, that's all you need to do. But uh, here we are, two years later, living in uh, Drossen on the York Peninsula and loving life. Um, God moved us here. But that's enough about me. We're still reading through the Psalms, as Darren said, and, uh, and I love the Psalms because they're real, but they're raw. Um, they're, they're, they're good for the soul, but at the same time, they're very rough and they're very, um, they can be very gritty. Uh, a few weeks ago, we probably would have read, if you were reading along with us, you would have read Psalm 109, and some people believe that's one of the darkest passages of Scripture in the whole Bible, where it's talking about things I'm not even going to explain right now. You can go back and read that if you want. It's rough, but it's full of so many great ideas, and over the, the last few months, we've heard so many different messages about Psalms, and, um, and when I got asked to preach this, I thought, okay, yeah, cool, I've got a chance to, to put together something, and I said, Ben, what do you want me to preach? And he goes, from the Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. What do I preach on from the Psalms? All right, we'll find something in the Psalms. Now, my background was, my pastor would go, hey, we've got this series coming up, I want you to preach on this topic, boom, put a message together. And so it was all well-defined, and then we get to the Psalms, and I'm, you know, two weeks out, I'm like, okay, I better start thinking about this, and, and I think we were at Psalm 100 at that stage, and I started reading from Psalm 100 through to Psalm 109, 110, 111, I was like, babe, nothing's jumping out at me yet, I don't know what's going on, I've got no message. And so I went back to the beginning and I thought, okay, let's read through. And uh, long story short, we got to Psalm, I got to Psalm 22. Who knows, that's a lot of reading before God revealed something to me. And we're going to read from Psalm 22 right now. And it says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call on you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet, or I've put in brackets there, it should say, but... Because uh, the translation I originally read this in was the New King James, but this is easy to read from. But, these two words that are interchangeable, yet and but. And for the sake of today's message, but you are holy and throned on the praise of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and you were saved. And they were saved. They trusted in you 
and we're not disgraced. Today's message I've called, Move Your Butt. Thank you, Lord, that you would speak through me today, Lord. That although these are my words written down on paper, the thought came from you, God, and your spirit moves through them. So may your, your spirit enlighten these, bring them to people's hearts, bring joy, bring conviction. Lord, would you speak? Would you do only what you can do? Would you bring encouragement? Would you bring healing? Would you speak through these words, Lord? And would you help me to speak and help these people to listen? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Move your butt. I kind of deliberately left you with that while I prayed because I thought, you know, in your heads you're probably having a little bit of giggle. What's going on here, Cody? There's going to be a little bit of giggling in today's message, but that's never a bad thing. I'm not talking about exercise so everyone can calm down. You don't need to get up and exercise and, do, and run around or, or do anything like that. I'm talking about this word, but, or as I said, yet. I'm talking about how that fits into a sentence and how it fits in with the Psalms and in our lives, how we can use that simple word, to do amazing things for God. And so today we're going to look at three thoughts from the Psalms surrounding the word but. And the first thought is, except you'll always have a but. There will always be a but in your life. We'll always have opposition of some kind. We have an enemy of God who's trying to oppose anything that goes right in our lives that God does. We're always going to have opposition. We have our own voices in our heads that are telling us that something's not right or something doesn't feel right or something isn't, it doesn't make us happy or it doesn't make joyful. So there's that but. We're a but to ourselves. And then we have other buts in our lives with other people speaking things into our lives. There's always going to be opposition. We're never going to have a time in our life where we can say there's no buts, there's no ifs, there's no maybes. We're going 100% for whatever we are and nothing's coming against us. We've got to accept that we'll always have a but. You might say, but I'm too young. Well, one day you're going to be sitting there and you're going to say, but I'm too old. But I've got no time. Well, one day you might have a little bit more time, but maybe you don't know what to do with that time. Or maybe you have more time, but there's more things filling that time. But I've got no money. Well, I know from life so far that it doesn't matter how much money you have, you always want more or you always need more. But I've got young kids. Well, this one, you go, oh yeah, well, kids grow up and they leave the nest. Well, not always. Um, I left when I was 18, but my brother stayed until he was 26. Uh, my brother still rings my mum three or four times a week, asking, him, asking her how to do whatever it is that he needs done. Um, when he moves house, my mum travels the 800Ks up to help him move house because he can't do it on his own. Uh, I've got young kids now, but I have young kids now. One day you'll have, but I have old kids now. But you don't know what I've been through. The truth of that matter is no one knows what you've been through, but you don't know what anyone else has been through. And you don't know what someone else might go through or what you might go through one day. We've got to accept that there's always going to be a but, but we've got to overcome that and move ourselves to a place where we can see past the buts and do something great for God. And that's why I love the Psalms. Because in these, in these tricky situations, they speak about what has come against them, but then they praise God over a situation. And we can learn to do that ourselves today, even in really hard situations. You know, there's a, there's a verse that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's pretty, that's pretty hectic, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and we may never walk through quite such circumstances in our life, but Jesus faced rough times and he promised us that we'd face rougher times. But he also promised us that we would do bigger and, and better than he ever did. There'd be blessings through the church that Jesus could never in himself do as one person on earth. We need to accept that there's always a but. Our opposition doesn't need to stop us, but our opposition can help us move forward. A few weeks ago, the Olympic Games finished up, 
And I have to admit, I didn't do much to support our country during the Olympic Games. Um, I watched about half an hour's worth and it was, wasn't even my choosing. I was over, uh, over with some boys at another person's place and they happened to put it on. It was the high jump, the women's high jump. And, uh, and the one thing about the Olympics is opposition doesn't stop people from moving forward, but it op- often gets people to break records. They actually break further forward than they ever have in life before. And we're watching this high jump. And as I said, I've been thinking about this message and it was probably like sort of in the back of my mind and, <clears throat> you know, you need a good illustration. I thought, what's, what's a better illustration than something that's happening right now? And, and thank God that, uh, that Pete um, he, up, up at Ardrossan, he put the, the Olympics on that night. So I, he came to me up and said, see, look, I gave you an illustration. And I was like, yes, you did. But the high jump, she's getting ready to jump. And the Australian, you might know what happened in the Australian, she's jumping and the first jump she fails and the second jump she fails and the third jump and the commentator's saying, you know, she's never jumped this high before. In fact, if she gets this, she gets the Australian record and she jumps it and she gets over and she breaks an Australian Olympic record for high jump for the women's category. And then the commentator says something that everyone's mind should have taken there already, but it was just, it was just so, she's never jumped higher than this before. I wonder if she can do it. And it's like, of course she's never jumped higher than this before. Otherwise, there'd be Australian records already broken. And of course she's thinking, maybe I can or maybe I can't do it. But I imagine there's two ways she could have approached that. She could have sat there and said, but I've never done this before, but no one in Australia has ever done this before. I quit and I move out and I'm gone. But instead, she psyched herself up and she went for the next jump and she went for the next jump and I didn't see the result. I don't even still to this date, I don't know if she made it over the next one or not because that was the end of my 20 minutes of watching the Olympics. Um, but opposition, these things that come against us, can actually not stop us, but help us to move forward and beyond. What is your but right now? What is the opposition that you're facing, the distraction in your life? It's time to accept that that thing might never go away. And for some reason, if it does, something else might take its place anyway. This one got the most laughs up at Ardrossan. But Cody, you don't know how big my butt is. No, I don't. But you don't know how, my, how big my butt is either. Just for you, Darren. Let's not let it stop us, but let's try and do something constructive with, us, with it. And that moves us on to thought number two. Reposition your butt. Why is it that no matter which psalm we read, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how, how dirty the situation, no matter what David's facing or any of the others that wrote the psalms are facing, how come we always feel encouraged when we read it? Have you ever thought, like, you watch a movie or a TV show that you love and you get to the end and it ends badly and you could be depressed for three weeks. You know, you end up at the end of a TV show and then they don't rerun the TV show. There's no third or fourth season and... Yeah, that's the end. But for some reason, each time you read a psalm, you don't end up in that position of depression or in that position of anxiety or, or unknowingness, but you end up in this position of being encouraged. And it's all because of this word, but. And, and I'm going to, before we continue, I'm just going to read th- uh, five statements here from one point of view, and then I'm going to change the statements just slightly, and you're going to see how much they change. And maybe you've said this to yourself, or someone else has said this to you, or maybe you've uh, heard someone else say this to themselves, uh, any of these statements, and, and you, can, you can add your own statement in here too. The first one, I want to step out in faith, but I'm afraid of what might happen or what might not happen. 
I'd love to help and serve other people in the community and at church, but I'm so busy. I want to believe God has a plan for my life, but I don't see it and I don't understand what it could be. I really wish I could forgive them, but you just don't know how much hurt they cause me. I'd love to be the change in my workplace or in my house, but you just don't know the people I work with or the people I live with. Let's change those sentences just slightly, which really we're just changing the way they're made around that but. I'm afraid of what might happen or not happen when I step out in faith, but my God has it under control. I'm really busy, but God can increase my capacity to help and serve others. I can't see what God has planned for my life, but I know he created me and everyone else for a purpose. They hurt me so much, but with God's help, I can learn to forgive them. The people I work with are difficult at best, but God will give me strength, creativity and wisdom to change my workplace or my house. Do you see the difference? In one of them, the problem is the biggest. In the other one, God is the biggest. So I ask you this morning, is your problem bigger than your God or is your God bigger than your problem? The Psalms lift us up and they encourage us. They don't bring us down. And I believe it's because it's always God is the bigger article in the Psalms. When we read it, God is always bigger than any issue, any problem. And it's not just in Psalm 22. I told you I read a lot of Psalms in preparing for this message. So we'll start at Psalm 3, 1 to 3. It says, O Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying God will never rescue him. But... You, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. You've got Psalm 18, 18. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. Who knows, things always come against you when you're already in a place of distress. But the Lord supported me. Psalms 31, 12 to 14. I'm ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. Psalm 55. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me and I can't stop shaking. I've been there before. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I could fly away and rest. Who's ever wished they could fly away from their problems? Fly away from the butt in their life? But I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon and night, I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. And the last one, Psalms 56. O God, have mercy on me for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me and many are boldly attacking me. But when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. That positive spin that brings God on top of every situation. And we can learn to do that as well. Is your problem bigger than your God or is your God bigger than your problem? And here I'll interject with a story. I've got to say, I can't sing well to save my life. And I'm sure there's other people in the room that you you understand and and you're there with me in that situation. And and maybe you can't sing or maybe you can't hold tune. You wish you could. Um, The only time I've ever been, I've been told a few times in my life I'm a good singer, but it's usually by people that don't understand singing, like my kids. Daddy, you sing really well. Yeah, you don't understand, son. Wait till, wait till you actually understand what singing is. Uh, but there was a point where I was on band at youth and I was playing electric guitar 
or bass, depending on how it went. And uh, myself and the worship leader were the only ones over 18, and the rest of them were under under 18 on the band. And and we had a full band every single Friday night. And then now our, our youth pastor, which was our our pastor's son, he moved over to America. And so he told us, and he goes, "Well, three months from now, I'm not here. You need a new pastor." And so the worship pastor at the time, he stood up and he became the youth pastor. And he said to me, Cody, you're the only, one, only other one on the team that's over 18. You're the worship leader now. And I, my heart was already quite low when it came to, to singing, and now it went right down. Um, because I, I had no idea how I was going to be that. I started doing singing lessons twice a week. It was expensive, and, and, uh, but it helped. It did help a little bit. Not enough, though. Um, I remember that three months of my life was the longest three months ever. Because obviously you have that break over Christmas where youth stops in like December and then it starts up at the beginning of February and I'm like, ah, and it came to, I remember driving to work, um, still paying at the time and every single day in the car I was like, God, you need to make this happen because I can't, I can't sing, but God, you have to make this happen. And see, I I positioned myself to put God in a position higher than the problem that was in front of me. And, And day by day over these months, I got to a point where I no longer cared or no longer worried about about the worship leading because I got to this point where I said, God, you're going to do something, whether I like it or not. And I said, you're on the line as much as I am. Because if I get up there and I stuff up the worship set, people are not just looking at me, but they're looking at you, God. And I said, you better come through and do something. Has anyone else been in a position like that in your life before? And so even, even getting ready to preach this, and some people come to me and go, oh, are you nervous about preaching? I said, look, the worst that can happen is you don't like it and they never get me up again. There's, there's nothing else that I can do it. But at the end of the day, if it, if it glorifies God and it sinks into people's heart, then I'll do it. And I've just got to believe God's going to do something with it. Anyway, long story short, I got up there, I worship led. Um, if you know anything about music, I sung in harmonies instead of melodies. It, the musicians, anyone else in the crowd that knew music, didn't understand it, but I had all these youth at the end of the Friday night saying, it's the best worship set we've ever heard. And I thought, God did something to your ears tonight. <sighs> that was God, that wasn't me. I have no idea what the issue is in your life, the butt that you're facing. I have no idea how big it is. It could be all that you can see right now, but one thing I do know is that God is bigger than any issue you could ever have. God is bigger than anything that would ever come against us. It is hard to do, but I challenge you this week, if you, if you find yourself saying, but something, stop yourself. If you have to write down a piece of paper and then change that but around, and say, well, maybe this is my circumstance, but God can make it better. I challenge you, it's going to be hard to do, but catch yourself a few times, and all of a sudden you go from stressing about worship leading to God's going to do something no matter what. And that season, thankfully, only lasted like five weeks, and then someone else came into the youth ministry who was over 18 and could sing like an angel. It was like, great, God. And I thought, God was just testing me. God was just, you know, giving something to build and grow my character. Maybe the only thing it was for was to preach this message today, but thank you, God. Maybe you've already accepted that life's going to throw you in some bad positions. Life's going to throw some butts your way. Maybe you've already crafted your thoughts and, and you're a step ahead of some of the rest of us in, and you, you always see the positive in every situation, like my wife. She's positive with everything. Keeps me, keeps me on my toes. But there's a third thought here and something we can all aim to get to, but it's a lifelong transition and that's why this one is point or point three or thought three is aim to forget about your butt. You hear someone's testimony of what God's done in their life and 
And maybe it brings something in your life and you, and you wish, oh, you know, I wish I could have a testimony like that. I wish circumstances weren't against me and, you know, they seemed to get everything easy and it seemed everything was amazing. But maybe it's not because they had no buts, but they didn't give any power to those buts. People's social media feeds are like that, right? Most of the time, you see the best of someone else. You don't get to see what happens behind it. I remember for a season, I, I like to, to garden a bit and I like to grow some veggies and, and I thought, oh, I'll share this with the world because I thought it was interesting and obviously other people must think it's interesting and it was so hard to get photos up on Instagram that my, made my veggies look as good as other people's veggies. And I'd have a victory, like it'd be seven or eight weeks where pests are eating every tomato I had and then one day I walk out there and there's five tomatoes that aren't, aren't eaten and so I get all the ones that are half eaten and I turn them so they're just, just right so you can't see the eaten and it make it look like a massive bowl of tomatoes and I put it up on Instagram and everyone goes, wow, your tomatoes are looking great. And they're not really. <laughs> I just made them look great. And that's where we can aim to forget about the butt. Let's read, the, the, the last psalm I'm going to read from today is Psalm 23 and it's only one over from Psalm 22. And we know it. Everyone has heard it at some stage. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Who knows, sometimes when you walk through the darkest valley, the first thought isn't, God, you're beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Last night, we went for an early birthday, uh, for an early birthday trip over to Adelaide for my wife because um, our mother-in-law couldn't handle the cold, so she's moving back up to Queensland uh, in a few months' time. It's before her birthday, so we needed someone to babysit the kids, and man, we had a feast. Like, we ordered, like, the, the $75 ribs for two, like, big stack of, and that thing came out, and you could see all the men in the place that was looking at it, like, whoa. And the waiters didn't even know what table to bring it to because you had me and then you have my small wife just sitting there and it's like this big, massive, like they're probably expecting two big, burly guys like Ben and his mates to, to be sitting there eating these ribs. Anyway, it was a feast, but I enjoyed it the most, not because it was good food, but because it was a good company. But here it says like he ate feasts in the presence of his enemies. I can't do that. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. One thing I don't like about this psalm, there's a serious, luck of, uh, a serious lack of but in there. There's no buts. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, God's here. Prepare a feast for me in the middle of my enemies, and I'll be happy about it. He mentions the valley, he mentions the enemies, he mentions the weaknesses, but they have no power over his life, over his thoughts, over his attitude, over what God's doing for him. It's not that they don't exist, they're just no longer a major issue. And so we can learn a lot from that because we can, we can reposition our butts, we can accept that we have butts in our life, we can reposition our butt and then we can aim to just forget about that butt. It, it, it'll always be there, but it doesn't mean you have to give power to it in your speech, it doesn't mean you have to give power to it in your thoughts, doesn't mean you have to let other people give power to it. And might I say there, and this might be for someone in the room, and this isn't in my notes, and, and God kind of revealed this to me. Sometimes the butts that are stopping us aren't our own butts, but someone else's butt. Don't let someone else's butt 
stop you from doing what God wants you to do. God moves in ways we never understand. And for some reason, some people don't get their prayers answered when they pray. That's not up to me. That's not up to the person who got prayed for and it's not up to the person who prayed for them. It's up to God because God has plans for people. God has mysterious things going on. I thought I knew what God's plan was for me up in a church in Queensland to, to keep preaching, to move forward, to do what I was doing up there. And then all of a sudden doors started shutting and things started closing down. I went to some of the darkest places I'd been in my life because all of a sudden the thing that made my identity what I was was me serving in a church and serving God and it was taken away from me. I didn't know what the plan was, but God came through and blessed me with what he's given us now and moving down here halfway across the country in, in a place where I've got work like I've never had before, where my family life is better than it's ever been before, where my spiritual life is better than it ever has been before because I had to rely on God to get here in the first place. And so other people had their prayers answered straight away. I saw other people who doors closed in their church and all of a sudden something else opened up somewhere else and God moved through them powerfully and all of a sudden they're moving in ways God never did before and I'm sitting there for six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve months feeling sorry about myself but God had a different plan and so don't let someone else's but even if it's a positive but but they got what they wanted God but they got the money they got the job they got that don't let that but stop you from pursuing what God wants for you and that one's a freebie today. That wasn't even given to Ardrossan, so you can tell them you know something that they don't next time you see them. Uh, Sarah, if you can come up and work your magic. I won't sing. It's okay. I'll leave that to the other guys. I remember when I first gave my heart to God all those years ago. And being quiet, as I said earlier, there were so many things that stood in my way. There were so many buts that were stopping me from, from getting up and speaking for God. I remember standing in prayer meetings in youth and one of the things was if you turn up for prayer meeting and you're on the team, you've got to pray. Even if it's only a few words, you've got to pray because we went around a circle and it was right or wrong, it was so that we were all unified and it got to me every time and I'd be like, thank you God. And it would go to the next person. And that was the hardest thing I ever had to do. That was the biggest but in my life was, but I can't speak, I can't talk, my words don't have value. I remember trying to believe for things, you know, believing that, uh, you know, God would, you know, provide me with a way to get to youth on a Friday night because my parents couldn't drive me. You know, it's a little prayer and it's answered often by just giving someone a phone call. But things like that were the biggest stresses in my life because my butt was in the wrong place. But what if someone doesn't want to? What if, what if people don't like me? But what if, what if, what if, what if, but, 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 but. It was a common phrase in my vocabulary, but what if God doesn't come through? Thankfully, our Christian life doesn't stop the moment we get saved. It doesn't stop five years after we get saved. It doesn't stop even when we eventually all die and go to heaven. It continues. Our Christian walk is a journey towards perfection like Christ. And we stumble and we fail and our butts become bigger than us and our butts get smaller than us. And our, but we never outrun our butts. But God has plans. God does things in your life. You don't just wake up one day and you've made it. If there's something in your life that's against you, it's the biggest opposition. No one understands it except for yourself. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning because of my message and it's going to be gone. 
You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning because I've given you three thoughts and you're going to implement them and all of a sudden there's never going to be something in your life that's going to come against you and send you downhill again. But it's a step and a, and a journey. And I challenge you this week, take hold of just something. Move forward in just one way or another. And so we came to move down here and um, we made that decision over a year ago. I made that decision much earlier than my wife did. Um, again, I have so many instances in my life where God had, had come through with me in faith in big ways, especially that worship situation, all these sort of things where I couldn't do something to save my life, but God did something with it. And so when COVID hit and we started talking to Ben and Talia through, through um, Zoom every single week, it only took a little while for me to realize, okay, these are the people we needed to position our life around. And God's brought them in for, for a reason. Because there literally was no reason why they, they just all of a sudden contacted us. And I think several uh, a few months into it, I said, look, we, we want to move. And I feel like it's moving to where you guys are in South Australia. And Michaela kind of felt like that, but didn't quite feel like that. And, um, you know, at that stage, um, you know, Ben and Talia knew stuff that we didn't know. And, and um, I was like, let's just go. Let's just move. Let's just get down there as quick as we can. Um, partly to escape... The, the problems I was facing to escape the butts, but also because I was like, well, if God's got something for me, I want to move into that as soon as possible. And so it came to July last year, and I was so certain of going, and I said to Mika, and, you know, COVID had hit, and things were shutting down and all over the place, and my wife wanted to visit and see what it's like, and we came down last September because of that. But I said, well, I don't need to visit. If God's in this, he's in it. If he's not, we'll just move back, and God will do something else. And so... But there's nothing wrong with either point of view. There's nothing wrong that my wife had questions and wanted to see what the peninsula looked like, wanted to meet some people. There's nothing wrong that I wanted to step out in faith and do something I'd never done before and not question it. Because either way, we're moving forward. Either way, we're moving forward towards something that God's got for us. It might be a big leap of faith that you can take on a word of God, or it might just be those individual steps. Well, let's get to know some people. Well, let's go and have a look down there. Let's let's, let's, here we are on the York Peninsula where God wanted us. What step can you take this week to reposition, to accept that there's butts in life, to reposition those butts in life and then ultimately learn to forget what they are completely as we bring glory to God. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, that the Psalms give us insight into the believers of old. They give us insight to people from thousands of years ago that faced not the same problems, but similar problems, similar issues. But Lord, I thank you that we're presented with a, with a guideline for how we can overcome that opposition. That we're presented with a guideline of how we can praise even when we don't want to praise. That we're given the ability to, to, to read and, and digest and understand who you are, God, through your Spirit who now moves in us, who didn't move the same way, moved, but didn't move the same way in the Old Testament, Lord. And I thank you today. Bring those butts to the surface. Bring them into people's minds right now as I say it. But give us courage. Give us wisdom. Give us strength to overcome, to persevere, to move forward. Lord, we know that your plans are greater. They're bigger. 
They're better than we could ever understand or imagine. And so I speak to that right now today. Lord God, that person in here that says, but I can't speak, Lord, I speak to that and say, open up their tongue. Provide them with steps and challenges to move forward. For those that say, I don't have enough resources, would you open up your kingdom? Would you open up the floodgates and bring those resources into this place right now? For those that say, I'm too young, Lord, open their eyes. Allow them to see, just as you wrote to to Timothy through Paul, like don't let people look down on you because you were young, but instead provide an example to the believers. Well, I'm too old. Lord, I speak to that right now. There is not a day on earth where we're not uh, not breathing, where we can't do something impactful for who you are and what you're doing, Lord. And we thank you right now. Any but, although they follow us, although they tail us, they cannot overcome us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.